Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, let's the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick, and, uh... Yeah, we're pretty much in the same place we were at when we recorded Streaming in Place this week. Noel, there's a lot going on. Well, listeners, I want everyone to know that I um, have started proceedings underway to invoke the 25th Amendment here at the Televerse and remove Kate Kulzik from office. And oh, please do. I, 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 I will take control and right this ship um, in this moment of transition until we turn things over to... Um, Emily Stevens. Emily and Dennis, right? <laughs> yeah, Emily and Dennis take over. The smooth transition of power. Oh, man. See, I'm, don't, you know, don't tempt me with like, oh, Noel's going to do all the editing? Noel's going to do all, oh, ooh. Um, yeah, it's a strange time. It's, and it's a newly strange time. It's already been a strange time. Why would it not be? But we're going to mostly here stick to TV right now. Uh, Noel and I... To, you know, peer behind the curtain a little bit. Noel and I were talking, you know, before we got started um, with like, oh, was there any TV news? And we're like, no. I mean, like there was, but like, no, because there's news news. So like I did post like a, a, I did tweet about the streaming place this week, but it was like, it felt so weird to be like retweeting all these different things going on and like responding to stuff, trying to, you know, the little bit of a of a platform that we have here to like share other information, things that people are sharing, and like also be like, uh, I mean, this is we did this too. If you're looking for a break from all yeah. that, Lodge Forty Nine is awesome. Um, it is, but uh, but yeah, it has higher stakes now. It does have higher stakes. It has so much higher stakes. I normally would have watched the next episode by now, but I just haven't because I've been glued to the TV. Um, sure. Even when it probably would be better for me to not be. But, you know, I love a procedural vote. I've been watching so much C-SPAN. I'm going to have so many informed opinions about C-SPAN by the time, I don't know, we stop feeling the need to watch C-SPAN constantly whenever that happens to be. I mean, I think it's just great that you're supporting C-SPAN. Yeah. It's because it's like I could watch the same thing on MSNBC or CNN and then get really irritated at, for example, CNN for having Rick Santorum on that piece of Santorum. Uh, And uh, or I could just watch uh, C-SPAN and not have that. So Right. And just turn it off when they start tossing it to the phone lines. Yeah. Head out. It Just head out. Just, you know, check out. Which is Uh, what I did. Yeah. Yep. So it's been it's been a heck of a week. Remember the beginning of this week, Noel? Remember Tuesday night? Remember how excited we were Tuesday night? Yeah. Let's stick with that. It comes at you fast. You may be wondering how I got here. (laughs) (sighs) Well, we have a a fun show ahead. There is a surprising amount of TV that we've been watching, considering that neither of us thought we were really would have anything to talk about. But there actually are quite a number of shows we've been watching. Um, And we have two segments. We have two segments. We have three segments. I don't remember the last time we had, like, yeah, three segments. I don't remember the last time we had three segments. It's been quite a while. So 
I'm, you know, now I'm jinxing us. Something will go yeah. wrong or we'll somehow run short <laughs> as if no. we could run short. <laughs> um, but we're going to be talking about Hilda season two, which is, of course, uh, up on Netflix. It's the animated series. Um, we talked, we liked about season one quite a bit. Noel really likes season one. I just regularly like season one. We're going to talk about season two. Sacrilege. I know. Uh, 13 episodes, each about like, what, 25-ish minutes? Yeah. Yeah, 24, 25. Yeah. Um, so that'll be coming at the end of the show. Before then, we have some listener feedback because I forgot it last week, guys, until the end. So I'm going to remember it up here at the top. Um, first of all, I was just tickled by the response here. So I, I of course, everyone will, who listens will remember I was very excited about painting with John. I watched the trailer. I'm now more excited about painting with John, um, the upcoming show uh, from John Laurie. Because uh, there's like, in the trailer, there's like, he's interacting with paintings and stuff. Like, there's animated sequences combined with the, like, the live action, sort of. I don't know. I'm excited. It looks it looks really cool. Um, nothing like Fishing with John, but also kind of. But I'm looking forward to it. Um, so I, I, of course, I had to at friend of the show, Tyler Smith, who listener, long-term listeners may remember, was the guest for that DVD shelf. Uh, of, of Fishing with John, introduced me to Fishing with John. Uh, and his response was just perfect Tyler, which was, oh, oh my, just exclamation point. Like, just just that. It was just delightful. So uh, glad that, if nothing else, it's myself and Tyler. Very excited for Painting with John. Uh, we heard from Vince and B and BKDB13 about what new shows they're, or returning shows they're excited about. Uh, BKDB13 is uh, looking forward to Firefly Lane with Katherine Heigl. That's the only thing that that they want to see. Vince uh, reminded us that theoretically Lucifer was supposed to be back for like second half of season five in January, but that date hasn't been announced yet. So who knows? Maybe they're still finishing up. Surprise drop. Or something. Yeah, or Netflix does like a surprise drop. Um, and Lucifer gets good, like, as much as this means anything, Lucifer gets good ratings for them. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Vince uh, is excited about Firefly Lane as well and likes both Heigl and Sarah Chalk. So I'll so he says, I'll check that out uh, once it's on Netflix. I will also watch the MCU shows on Disney+, Plus, the Ellen Tudyk show, uh, Resident Alien. Sounds tempting, but it's unlikely I'll be able to watch that in Germany. Meanwhile, they're rewatching anime. They just started Dark in the Black, and after that, it'll be Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. So enjoy yeah. revisiting. Um, certainly, uh, that was a fun one for me. Uh, we also heard from Ben from Tasmania over at the the uh, the website who posted their top twenty um, and uh, for, of of twenty twenty. See, thanks for another amazing year despite all the challenges you guys are facing. I fell behind on streaming place, but I've been catching up. I really enjoyed rewatching Cora as well as Over the Garden Wall and The Flight Attendant. Now. Ben, I'm curious. It says rewatching Cora. Was this your first time with Over the Garden Wall, or were you also rewatching Over the Garden Wall? Because obviously they weren't rewatching the flight attendant. So yeah. syntax wise, I'm not sure. Because if this is your first time through Over the Garden Wall, I'm particularly curious your take. Um, and if you were rewatching, then obviously you like it or you wouldn't watch it. Um, but here's the top twenty shows. Number twenty, flight attendant. So cracking the top twenty. Normal people, Clone Wars. Good Place, The Good Lord Bird, which almost made me want to buy Showtime, but not quite enough. But this is one that I will catch up with eventually. Then Steven Universe at 15, Infinity Train at 14, Briar Patch, Keep Your Hands Off Izokin, coming in at 12, Tales from the Loop at 11. Now here you lost me. Here, here you <laughs> lost me, Ben. I know it's just me, but that's okay. Number 10 is Betty. Number 9, 
after your heart here, Noel Chaharafuru. Yeah, good. Number eight, Insecure. Number seven, Vida. Number six, Mrs. America. Number five, Bojack Horseman. Number four, Better Call Saul. Number three, I May Destroy You. And number two is Better Things. Number one is My Brilliant Friend. Um, Because they had the second season of that this year. So obviously, a lot of these shows that we really like here at the podcast and some other ones that I, uh, you know, feel really bad for having not quite caught up with. Vita is a big one of those, is the biggest one of those. Eventually, I will get stars again and then I will catch up with Vita. Um, But yeah, some other ones there that I definitely intend to catch up with. So thank you for sharing those, Ben. Um, Yeah, lots of lots of interesting choices. And the ranking is always, you know, since it's meaningless, it's always fun for me. You know, to watch other people who have put themselves through that same, you know, angst. Or maybe maybe mm-hmm. Ben's fine. Maybe maybe they have a much more, like, reasonable relationship with top 20 lists, which means they don't give themselves turmoil over it. Much yeah. healthier. But anyways, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Vince. And BKDB13 and Tyler uh, for reaching out with some of your thoughts about uh, last year's TV, coming TV. Um, but yeah, let's let's uh, take a break, listen to some music here, and get uh, into our weekend TV because uh, I have not seen Zoe's extraordinary playlist outside of the pilot, but I jumped jumped in for season two, so we're gonna listen to that heading well, into. Hello, Dolly. Well, hello, Dolly, indeed. Uh, I will have thoughts. Noel will have thoughts. We'll be right back with those right after this. Baby tried to do. That was one of the songs. I haven't quite decided which one yet from this week. Uh, probably Are You Gonna Be My Girl. I think that was my favorite performance. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. We're going to no. do Guillermo. Uh, what's yeah, the actor's gonna, name? I was like, it's either Hello, Dolly or Guillermo. <laughs> what, what's the actor's name? I should know this. It's Harvey. Uh, um, uh, I want to say Gillian. That, that sounds right. Yeah, I think I'm mispronouncing his last name, but his first name is Harvey. G-U-I-L-L-E with an accent, N. Yeah. So I apologize. Uh, I do not know how to pronounce your name, but you're fabulous. And you can sing so beautifully, which is always a delightful thing to find out. We're kicking off our weekend comedy and reality with Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And then uh, the episode title is Zoe's Extraordinary Return. Then I'll have a few quick thoughts on History of Swear Words. I guess season one from Netflix. Uh, Noel checked out The Hustler, a puzzle wrapped in an enigma, tattooed in a mystery, tattooed in mystery. 
general. Then I watched The Repair Shop Season 3, because of course I did. And that's up on Netflix. And then we have, of course, the season premiere of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 13, The Pork Chop. So first up is Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And uh, let's talk about Harvey, because I was so excited to see him pop up. I'm like, yeah, making that network money. And then he started singing. I'm like, oh, and he has the voice of an angel. Uh, and he gets a good song. And it's, he does get a good song. And there's a good, like, it's well executed. I really appreciated the staging in that. It was very, you know, like, this has got to be a tricky show to, to film. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciated the craft more than anything in this first episode. I got so, I could enjoy some of the shipping briefly. I thought they built, like, almost built to a good moment there with like the showing up at the friend's place at Mo's place and it's like oh the two guys I've been avoiding are here and are friends with each other now and this is weird and the only thing you have in common is me and that's uh you don't even work together you know yeah yeah I thought they handled all that well not anymore (laughs) what did you think of this premiere I thought it was pretty solid um uh, again, it finds a really nice balance between Zoe's personal life and her work life, uh, which is, I think, one of the best things about this show is that they find a really good balance of how to keep that those two trains running on parallel tracks. Um, so, yeah, no, I was really glad to be back. Um, I really liked them opening with Hello, Dolly. I thought that number was a lot of fun. It was very silly, um, but I appreciated they just went all big and everything um to your point about filming and everything my partner and i think that they redid the kitchen in the in the house from last season to make it easier to shoot um but we'd have to go back and double check like the spacing between the islands and stuff yeah yeah i we really think that they like opened that space out a little more um to allow for them to do more numbers in the house um because there were really limited space obviously and most of the songs in the house in the first season tended to be really stationary or within one room and i think after they did um american pie in the finale they realized that they needed to adjust that space a bit Mm -hmm. uh but this this was still pretty pretty good pretty entertaining like you i was really happy to see um guillermo (laughs) (laughs) um here um and still kind of playing a kind of guillermo-esque character which was a little sad but i also didn't care because he was just so sweet and lovely and just love and just i just when he asked for a hug, I just went, yes, you can absolutely have a hug. And now your hug is too long. <laughs> and you're the manager of this entire floor now. So you can't hug your employees this long. <laughs> oh, okay. It's fine. Um, and then other things in terms of like um, managerial promotion type stuff and the conflict between her and really tall programmer guy who's the worst, but also nuanced and complicated but also the worst um i'm really interested in seeing how that's going to play out now that zoe's in charge and uh, lauren graham's like it's too expensive for me to keep coming to vancouver and i'm not doing it anymore <laughs> like and how how can we write her out um uh, with the fewest number of scenes possible we'll do this one in the house we can film that whenever and then we'll do yeah. one in the office yeah definitely um yeah i i you liked the Hello Dolly number more than I did, probably because uh, it really bothered me that they kept interrupting the pacing of it. Yeah, sure. Like, it bothered me too much, listeners. It shouldn't have bothered me as much as it did. Um, you know, because I wanted to, like, get into it, and then they would freeze, and I'd be like, uh, no, but... Uh. Anyways, um, this this is this is very much a me problem. This is not a show problem. The, the 
sequence at the end. I mean, I like that song anyways. I thought the yeah. per- the performance of it was fine. It didn't really wow me. But I th- thought the way that they captured the ballet that happens when you're preparing a meal in a space you know really well with people you know really well uh, was lovely and really captured exactly what they were going for with the where they're at at the end of the episode, uh, comforting each other, being comfortable around each other, and uh, finding that strength to to settle into their normal routine again. I thought that was just a really lovely way to convey that. Um, the, the opening number, the fact that it was actually <laughs> Mo singing was great. <laughs> yes. Um, and as opposed to one of the thingy, like one of the, you know, superpower things. Um, I think they really did not do a good enough job with the love triangle. And I say that because I don't know that it is a love triangle. Because even when I tried to watch the promotional, like, season one catch-up, they didn't show really anything from the love triangle in that season one catch-up. And I appreciate that on the level of, like, this is not the most important part of her life. This is just one of the things that's happening in the season. That is awesome. However, if a major plot point in your premiere is the fact that she's dealing with two different guys who both are into her, and the only thing you tell me in, like, the catch-up on season one thing is, well, one of them is her good friend who's in love with her, and one of them is somebody she works with that she, like, tries to jump in one of the songs who had a fiancé and presumably doesn't still. That's not enough information to get me on board. Yeah, they should tell you that Simon, who's the one that you're referring to, also has like a stronger sort of like emotional soulful connection with Zoe um, because his, he lost his father and that was his big plot arc was coming to terms with that yeah. um, in season one. And it's useful to mention that in a catch up because that's kind of one of the big motivators that and also he's very handsome. Yeah, he's clearly... It's like handsome and more handsome. He's clearly more handsome. Like, yes. there's no offense to Skylar Aston. Very handsome. L- looking great. They they do well by him in, the, like, yeah. the, the way he's, like, made up and, like, the costuming and the hair and everything. Um, they're being, like, they're they're going for it. But, like, yeah. Uh, and also, the the this feels very much of the, okay, so she's going to end up with Simon, right? Because of how the season, because of how the premiere ends. It's like, okay. They would like that rousing, that rousing endorsement of, well, you got to make a decision. Let's make out. It's like, that's what you want to hear if you profess your love. Well, if I got to pick. A hundred percent. Come on, settle for me. See, and that didn't feel right to me at all because it didn't feel earned over the course of the episode because Mm -hmm. that little thing with the ring was so cute and she was wearing it all episode and she kept feeling it and she kept looking at it and she kept like drawing comfort using from it, it. <laughs> yeah using it right it was a great little runner and so it felt like it was bleeding very much to there's a reason i'm still i'm thinking about this i'm still wearing this i'm like you know and then they don't even get to that yeah. i don't know so we'll see what happens with it i'm gonna keep watching for now uh i also very much enjoyed the are you gonna be my girl number so mm-hmm. they captured the awkwardness of that friendship that will immediately dissolve when she talks to simon Yes. Uh, pretty well. And the last thing I have for this one, um, oh, besides the videos were lovely with the dad, mm-hmm. uh, was that the uh, the the idea for the restaurant that is takeout from other restaurants is a terrible idea that already exists. And it's called a bar 
where they don't do food. It's a tasting yeah. bar where you can order takeout from other places. Like there's one 10 minutes from here in the suburbs, right? Like this is not a new idea. There's way too much. But overhead. we're disrupting it because it's going to be an app. Yeah. There's, there's way too many like overhead costs to running a restaurant. You couldn't possibly charge that. Like it doesn't, it's a terrible idea. They needed to do better with their idea. What did you, what, what did you think? I, I wasn't paying attention during that plot point at all. <laughs> like, I don't even, I didn't even know until you explained it to me that that's what they decided to do. Yeah. It's a restaurant where, like, you can go out, but still get food from other places. So that way, like, the you know, Simon said about, oh, I could eat with my vegan friends again. It's like, you yeah. could also just eat vegan food, you dick. <laughs> yeah, you could, because vegan food's delicious. There's I mean, plenty of good, delicious have, vegan food. You can just not eat meat once. It's fine. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was the only other thing I had. Any final thoughts on this one? Nope. Nope, I'm I'm excited it's back. So yeah. okay, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Our, our next episode uh, is the season one of the history of swear words, uh, which is super delightful in my opinion. Twenty minutes an episode, suit nice. like really easy. Goes mm-hmm. down like I, <laughs> I was going back and forth watching that and watching everything on Wednesday, uh, which okay. was a good like okay, let's That's check back call. in twenty or forty minutes to see if anything's changed or if we know anything new yet. <laughs> you know, like after Congress was back in session and arguing about Arizona. Um, so uh, this was. I thought a good mix of mostly very, very light and playful um, with a little, just just enough substance to like get you to keep watching. Uh-huh. Very little. I would have liked more substance. Um, I also don't know that I agree with all of their word choices. Uh, they, they are not equal. They did fuck, shit, bitch, uh, pussy, dick, and damn uh okay. which is sort of holds its own place because it's like it's a it's literally a curse as opposed yeah, to right you know so it's a like swear. sort of a different thing um yeah. but it is considered a swear and like but most of the episode was about how like does that even really count as a swear word like come on mm-hmm. really yeah uh, so so that was kind of interesting but also it was like oh i see we aren't ready to deal with the c word <laughs> it's like that's an actual swear that we could actually talk about but um anyways i thought it was fun it was a good mix of comedians and there was they have a handful of lexicographers who show up in every episode i liked that those remain constant the 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 comedians went in and out from you know depending on they're clearly like certain words that certain comedians wanted to be in that episode you know Uh, but so i like that it's not the same people in every single episode uh but yeah I was not expecting 20, literally two zero minutes per episode. It's, it clips right along. And uh, yeah, it's just entertaining enough to have me be charmed and ready if they want to do a season two at some point. Definitely. Kate, you've significantly buried the lead. What's the lead? How wonderful is Nick Cage in it? Oh, he's (laughs) fine. He's having fun. Okay, that's uh, all it, I care about is that he's having fun. It, and this is, I think, it, like, there's a good sense of humor about about himself. He talks about how Dick is a name that also is a swear to many people. And how come it's Dick? And what if it were Nick? And can't we go back in time and change it so that you're being a total Nick right now isn't actually a thing? Like, mm-hmm. like it's ridiculous. There's quite a, um, like, he's he's just... He's game. He's very game. Okay. It's not hilarious or anything like that, but it is a good and it is an interesting choice um, in who they got to do it and in how he approaches it from a star persona point of view. And um, there's, you know, it's not 
it's not a fascinating sort of de- like analysis of his place in the pop culture, you know, like heavens, but it's, it's interesting and it's fun. So I will be curious because I know that on Twitter, people are asking you if you were, of course, going to watch History of Swear Words as part of your Nick Cage marathon that you're doing. What is it called mm-hmm. again? Cage-a-thon? The Cage-demic. <laughs> um, and you said not until you finish the movies. So I will look forward yeah. to your thoughts when you get to I'm this. probably going to watch it before then. Um, but I, I was just like, we haven't, we haven't discussed whether or not we were going to watch it yet. Mm-hmm. So. I will, I will uh, be curious in your thoughts. I would have liked a lot more analysis of, of cultural impact of certain words and certain types. Like there, sure. there was a bunch of like, well, and that all changed in the nineties. I'm like, did it really change in the nineties? Or you people who are being interviewed all of an age range. Where that's what you're going to talk about, <laughs> and sure. some of it did change in the '90s based on the the boom of uh, like of hip hop and rap culture and the prevalence of some of the, some of these words in like mainstream pop culture, at least mm-hmm. in America. Um, sure, but also like there's clearly an age demo that they're going for um, yeah, with sure. this. So I will look forward to your thoughts. Um, I am curious your thoughts on the Hustler, uh, a puzzle wrapped in an enigma, tattooed in mystery, uh, because this is hosted by Craig Ferguson, and Craig Ferguson is quite possibly my favorite late night host ever. Um, mm-hmm. He's delightful and very interesting and funny. Uh, so it wasn't enough to get me to D- DVR this one or, or to to like set a season recording. So I haven't watched it yet. Should I? Based on the first episode, probably not. Um, okay. Ferguson's great, um, naturally, but he's not given quite enough to do because he's a he's a game show host, and he can't interfere too much either because the premise of this show um, is that it's a blend of a trivia show and a social deception show. So there are five contestants. One of them knows the answer to all of the all ten of the questions that they're going to be asked, and each. Each question is related to a factoid about the person to help the other four contestants figure out who the hustler is. So, for instance, one question um, was about um, the... One one factoid was the person had watched The Fifth Element 80 times. Okay? Okay. And then the trivia question was what country produced, what what country was the fifth element produced in, which they got wrong. It was France. Um, They guessed Canada, which was a big swing and a miss. Um, But so it's that kind of a thing. Um, So each question is tied to a factoid of some kind um, to kind of help you, I think, remember it, but also to provide like a little bit of a theme. Um, After the third and I want to say fifth or sixth question, the hustler eliminates someone, um, which they all do by voting on a ballot, but only the hustler's ballot actually means anything. It's just to keep that going. Um, so there's a couple of things that kind of keep the show from being really completely entertaining. One is the fact that Craig Ferguson just can't interfere too much because um, he's mostly there to keep the trains running on time because otherwise you just get people kind of going, Rah! trying to like poke at one another to figure out who they are. Um, the second thing is that most people that don't play a lot of social deception games are really bad at social deception games. Um, and the first group in this are not very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and so they make for really bad television. Um, like I've watched people play social deception games on like YouTube and stuff. And if they're good at being on TV, then it's deeply, deeply, or 
good at being on camera, then it's really entertaining. When it's just four, when it's five people looking to win a hundred thousand dollars minimum, um, then it's it, it it just kind of I need more entertaining and better casting, basically, um, which does not help. Um, so those are the two kind of big factors with it. Um, there's still I think there's a gem of a good idea here. Um, and I have set a like series record for it because we still have enough room in our schedule for something like this. Um, so this will actually regularly air on Thursdays on ABC. Um, they just did a preview on Monday. So uh, like a tentative maybe recommend, but I mean, there are better things to watch for an hour. Okay. Well, and like, I'm intrigued with that premise. Mm-hmm. Can they work out the kinks to make it like, the better version of that, you know, like, can yeah. they, can they find the optimal version of that? Cause the optimal version of that would be really fun. Yeah, I think so too. Um, just, I think a lot of it boils down to casting and the fact that the way that everyone played this first game initially was basically just say as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just like, Oh, okay. Well, that is a strategy. It is terribly boring for television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't really work um yeah the i mean also i mean we had we we're not talking about it but we had the season finale of supermarket sweep which just like tears i didn't realize there were only being 10 episodes and they broke the series record in the finale which is very mm-hmm. exciting uh they yeah. those the that team crushed it uh but uh yeah i have a little space so maybe this is one to check out but maybe i don't know because i would say wait till episode three or four but episode three or four won't necessarily be better because it's a game right. show. And here's the thing about it also being a game show is that the first episode that they aired was the fifth episode produced. Yeah. Um, so that makes also kind of a difference in what you think about it. So the actual like first game, first episode that they shot isn't won't be shown until next week on the 14th. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah, it's a game show. It doesn't matter. They probably, because of the pandemic, I don't know quite when they filmed this. Um, oh, no, they film. they started filming it late last fall apparently. Um, so they may have been able to finish it before everything shut down and they, they just saved it, um, which would have been, which is smart. Um, in which case then, yeah, they probably still filmed this all really quickly anyway, just because it's a game show. There wouldn't have been tweaks or changes to it. Yeah. 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 Well, a show that doesn't need any tweaks or changes is the repair shop. But if it did, it knows where to go to get them. It does know where to go to get them. Um, season three is now available on Netflix. Season one and two no longer available. Season three available. It has either 13 or 15 episodes, which I watched in the span of like two to three days mm-hmm. while I was frantically getting some paperwork done. Um, and I didn't know. I would be kind of like putting off starting it because I didn't know if I was in the right headspace for it. I was like, I don't know if like, I'm like, well, do I want to I'm like, I guess I'll start it. And then of course, as soon as I started, I was like, oh, that's right. I love this show. The show is awesome. <laughs> the show is so comforting. The show is so delightful. And these people are so good at their job. That's like the crucial thing with any of the skill-based reality that I watch, which is most of the reality that I watch, is that the people who work on the show are really, really good at what they do, um, which makes it just compelling to, to watch them. Uh, you learn things just by watching them. You are entertained and can appreciate their craft. Um, this season, they in the third season, I should say, they added in a upholsterer. Um, oh, cool. Which is cool. And yeah, like, so like, it's it's always fun to, to watch people who feel as passionately about subjects that I'm completely not knowledgeable as I do about 
for example, the tirade I went on the other day to my poor patient mother uh, about this book that I recently purchased. I'm holding up to so that Noel can see it. Full of music by a famous composer. These all these different short pieces. Noel, it is 71 pages long. There are like 20 something pieces in it. Do you know what none of these pieces have? Measure numbers. They don't have measure numbers. Why would you not number the measures? Why? So when I give this music to a student and I say, hey, can we start at uh, the third line, the fourth minute? Like, why would you? Mm. I have strong feelings about this. And the way that I feel about this is the way that their upholsterer feels about, like, putting foam on an antique chair. <laughs> right? As opposed to, like, oh, it would be a crime. You couldn't possibly do it. No, you got to We got to do the springs with the, you know, like, really built in them with the calico, you know, like the 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 passion and the the awareness and the like this is why so many people would do not care obviously fisher which is a publisher i don't usually purchase from for these reasons doesn't care um but i care <laughs> cuz it's a small thing that makes a huge difference in how i use this and will use this like 70 page book of music moving forward um and it's just always very satisfying to watch people who know what they're doing, do what they do and and allowed to do what they do. You know, having having a venue where there's clearly not unlimited budget, but enough right. budget that that's not going to be a limitation where they go like, well, this is a beautiful necklace. The, like it's missing some rubies. Well, We'll just get, let you here go buy some rubies to put into this necklace, right? As opposed to, can the person afford rubies, or are we gonna just leave holes in the necklace? You know, like that kind of a thing. Um, so it's just it's really it's really neat. There was a um, there was a, a, a like a trunk or a suitcase by Louis Vuitton, and when I say by Louis Vuitton, I mean the original Louis Vuitton from like the eighteen hundreds, um, mm-hmm. and like when he first started breaking through. Uh, as a as a designer um so it's it, like there's some really cool stuff and i as i was watching the season going like who's my favorite who's my favorite person in the repair shop is it the the paint uh restorer you know the the, the art restorer who like works magic is it the ceramics expert is it like the brother sister duo of the clock uh the horologist the clock maker guy who also loves doing clockwork toys and cars and trucks when they come in or and, and his sister the saddle slash leather expert like it's delightful it's very good <laughs> so Again, strong endorse uh, for the repair shop on Netflix. Each episode's like forty-five minutes, mm-hmm. so they're they're long, but they're good. So, <laughs> yeah, gobbles it right up. Our last episode for our weekend comedy and reality is RuPaul's Drag Race season thirteen, The Pork Chop. So I, I previewed this a little bit last time. Noel, yes. what did you think of our shakeup in our season premiere here? So I think having everyone do lip syncs right at the top is a really entertaining, fun sort of thing to do. Um, since lip syncs have become increasingly, increasingly, increasingly important to the show. Um, in part because it's just, it's it's the thing that everyone talks about afterwards. Well, and it's how they choose the winner, right? It's yeah. the finale indicator. It's like, it's the thing. Yeah. So I think that 
doing that like right at the top is really fun. Um, it makes me worried about their music budget going forward for the rest of the season because right? they got a lot of good songs and like they didn't all have to sing to like ruse songs for this. They got to sing to songs by other people who were more talented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who are who, you know, do a different thing than Rudis. Well, yeah. the next episode is Congratulations, which is where they, they're gonna have to do one of the te- one of the groups, the winners from this mm-hmm. are gonna have to do, record their own verses to uh, one of Rue's song Congratulations. Congratulations, you're number one. That one. You okay. heard it yeah, on the yeah. show before. I don't know if you remember it. Um so like then at least the next episode, if not the next two, are gonna be centered on Rue songs. Though yeah. Theoretically, a lip sync as well. That's not right. Exactly. Right. So who knows? Um, either way, it, it was it was it was fun and entertaining. I really liked it, and I like the mounting confusion of the eliminated queens. Of wait, w- what's happening here? Where are we going? What when, is happening? When Denali's like, like listeners, I'm doing the squinty eye thing. We're not out yet. Something. There's this, I smell a stunt. Something's yeah. happening. But I also appreciated uh, one of the queens going, no, we're, we're done. They're just sending us one bus. Yeah. That's it. Oh, Tamisha, um, the lady said leave. Yes, exactly. The lady said go home. Yeah. So all of that of like watching them just incre- meet one another and then get very confused. But also you feel for a couple of these folks, including who you just, uh, what was the name? of the Tamisha? Tamisha, yeah. who had been trying to get on for, I, I would assume, a number of years, um, yeah. but also has gone through really severe cancer. Yeah. Well, and like, it, it, you know, interestingly enough, the when she couldn't do season 12 right. and had yeah. to pull out, the queen who was called last minute to take her place, Jada Essence Hall, mm. who ended up winning. Okay. My partner wondered who, who took her place. Yeah. Um, so I'll let her know. Um so yeah, no, so like that also had to like just be adding to all this confusion and also just all this frustration as well. Um, to which we get to the other twist of this all-star bullshit as it is rightly called out in mm-hmm. the episode because this is nonsense and I am not okay with this. Shall I Shall I quell your concerns? No, yeah, go ahead. I'm okay, assuming- Okay, I, like- I won't say what ex- exactly it is, but- uh, um- to my knowledge, I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I've heard through, I've heard through the grapevine, meaning like social media, yeah. um, and I don't have this confirmed, but as soon as I read it, it made sense. The rumor is that they vote someone out, and then they get sent to the winners team, okay, and then compete with the like with the winners as they, uh. and, and so it's going to be like a season twelve premiere thing where like one half of the cast has their own premiere, and then the second half of the cast has their premiere, and then they're going to put them together, and so and then it's going to be lip sync for your for your legacy for both of them, and no one's getting eliminated until like the fourth episode is what I'm hearing. So if they do something okay. like, cause like that was my thing. It's like, that is bunch of bullshit. And it like, it's like, I know you really care about this RuPaul Charles, but you would have gotten an A at the AV club. If you had not done that bullshit at the end, um, instead you got an A minus. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, if they undo this ending somehow and they don't actually make the Queens send someone home, mm-hmm. I really like this premiere. But if they actually are doing that, that's some bullshit and they shouldn't do it. Yeah, I'm not okay with it. Um yeah. because A, that's not what this sh- that's not what this vein of the show is. That's not what this 
the show is. And also, they just, they don't know anyone. And also, they didn't get to see any of these people compete either. Yeah. The only people um, who saw each other lip sync was Elliot with two T's and, and uh, Kimura Hall. So, like, that, that nobody else even saw anybody else before. Yeah. So, it's it's just, I, I, I was not particularly amused by it. But if you're, if what you've read is true, then I'm much relieved. But it just kind of left a slightly sour taste in my mouth Definitely. of the premiere, which I was very frustrated by. Because I don't like a reality show leaving a sour taste in my mouth in the premiere. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, you know, like, I, I saw plenty of people who were upset about it because they're like, I don't, I don't want to watch these queens who are so excited about this have spent tens yeah. of thousands of dollars yes. um, on the on putting together these collections and then just watch them get stomped on, you know, mm-hmm. emotionally. And like, for me, it wasn't that bad because by the time the second queen gets to the backstage like wait a second and then the third yeah. queen then pretty quickly it's like okay they're not going to eliminate half the cast they need to have a show so something else is going so then for me it wasn't as bad they still had that moment on the which is devastating on the the main stage but then they like they brought it back around quickly enough for me that it doesn't but i get i get other people being bothered by it i i never got tired of like the sirens and like that wait what what What's, wait, what's happening? <laughs> did you get tired of Rue saying pork chop? Because I did. <laughs> I did not. I thought that there was enough variety in the delivery. Okay. Um, but I know some people really got tired of the sizzle or the squeal that was happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, my other question for you then about all of this is, do you think that the winners were winners or was Rue just picking someone at random? I think some of it was the winners were winners. Actually, I like, I'm okay with pretty much all of them. Um, I, mm-hmm. you know, like I saw, I could see why you would pick the other one. Some of them for yeah. me, the Tina Burner with Lady Marmalade was the obvious, like this person won. Yeah. Um, and then all the other ones, there was more of like a, you could, like, I could see an argument this way. I could see an argument that way. The one mm-hmm. that felt the most blatant to me was Rosé where they're like, First of all, Olivia did great. And she had a reveal, like, and I did not clock that reveal. That was very well executed. Um, and she did it and she executed it well, like, for how she she took off the gown. But um, but also it was, like, very much like, okay, Rosé, like, yeah, you're not better than Olivia. So we're going we're gonna to make sure that you and Tina, because Tina... Tina's going to win the next one, let's be clear. This is going to happen. Like, you feel confident guessing that? Uh, so, therefore, uh, we're going to make sure you guys are in opposite rooms so we can get our, Rosé is here, Tina's here, <laughs> um, and start building the tension. They want the, to build, build that suspense. Mm-hmm. So, like, there, there's some craft to that, obviously. But I thought that, sure. in general, I was comfortable with the people who won each one. What, what did you think? I mean, sometimes I was like, ah, I don't really, I it was very much, in the, I don't really agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't think of like specific instances. I need to take notes when I watch Drag Race because um, I don't take notes and I should. Um, but I do agree with you that there's enough slippage, a gray area, because um, I do think that most of what we saw here was either maybe a lack of preparedness or just, or just a nerves, you know, or nerves of like, Oh wait, I was not expecting to have to do this kind of deal. Um, that allowed for like a more even playing field, but it also kind of gave me a sense of some of these people are just aren't lip syncers. And I'm actually okay with that because well, it means, yeah. or some of these people are wearing ice skates. <laughs> 
Yeah. Which was just, wow. I mean, that was still really impressive considering yeah. wearing ice skates. Cartwheel, I can't do a cartwheel in, like, just my feet. <laughs> a cartwheel and ice skates? Like, like that was ridiculous. That was, that was like, the gaggery. That was, like, iconic, gonna be talked about for all yeah. of Drag Race history, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I can also see, even in that one, how, like, yeah, but she kept having to deal with the the outfit and, like, so, like, mm-hmm. You know, I could see it. I could see it. I mean, be, be, be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. She lips, lip sank in, uh, in, in ice skates. She wins, right? Like, right. Yep. But I could also see it the other way with Lollary. So, so, um, I'm curious to see how they deal with it. But yeah, they're not eliminating the whole cast, but it was still really frustrating to watch. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping what you read is correct because yeah. I very much want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just well, and also I think there would have been more like grumbling from the cast in yeah, the like like all the press stuff, you know. Yeah. Like if someone got eliminated after that, and like that was it, their time on the show. Like I think it wouldn't have been quite so chatty and friendly. Um, That's so. true. That's a good point. We'll see. Uh, well, let's take a break, listen to some more music, and come back with our week in genre and drama. Take my hand and come with me because you look so fine that I really want to make you mine. I say you look so fine that I really want to make you mine. Four, five, six, come on to get your kicks. Now you don't need the money when you look like that, do you, honey? Big black boots, long brown hair. She's so sweet. This week in genre and drama, first, or I should say drama and genre, first Noel's going to catch us up with Elizabeth is Missing, the uh, TV movie on PBS. Then I will have just a few thoughts on the watch uh, premiere, A Near Vimes Experience and Ook. Then Noel's going to catch us up with The Promised Neverland, season two, episode one, and Cells at Work Code Black, episode one, Smoking Bacteria and the Beginning of the End. And then we'll both share our thoughts on Doctor Who's New Year's Day special, Revolution of the Daleks. So first up, Elizabeth is Missing, Glenda Jack, and should we check it out? Yes, absolutely. Um, this is the season premiere of uh, Masterpiece for 2020. Um, this movie originally aired in on BBC One um, in December 2019, so it took a little while to get over here. Completely and totally worth the wait. Um, in no small part for Glenda Jackson's performance, which is just out of this world. Um, really, really great. Really powerful. Um, and really not flashy, but really deeply compelling, which I think is the best way to describe this show as well, because I think it's really well directed as well by, um, uh, hang on, let me get the, um, Aisling Walsh. Um, it is not flashy at all. Instead, it does a lot of really smooth, slippery things as Maud, who is Glenda Jackson's character, um attempts to figure out what happened to her best friend uh who named elizabeth uh who doesn't show up for a meeting at the salvation army 
Um, and Maud is like in her like mid to late 80s, has Alzheimer's. And so the entirety of the about 87 minutes is Maud trying to figure out what happened to Elizabeth, where Elizabeth is, while she is also flashing back to her memories of her self in the late 40s when her sister also went missing. Um, and I don't want to give too much more away. Most of this goes exactly as you would expect it to go, honestly. Um, and I think that's fine. This is not a knock. It is so well executed that I don't care. Um, but I think that there's a really beautiful loveliness to A, Glenda Jackson's performance, which I think gets to both the overwhelming confusion, but also the overwhelming frustration and anger that can come with um, dementia as a symptom. Um, and that is a frustration, but also dealing also with a reduced sense of independence and a reduced sense of self and how that can get really frustrating for everyone involved. And I think that the movie does not skimp on that aspect of it at all. So that is really great. Um, the other thing I really like about it is the ways in which Maud's memories slip into the frame here. Um, so very often the actors playing the flashback folks will sometimes just kind of appear in the present day talking to one another before transitioning fully into a flashback, um, which I find also really effective in terms of putting us into Maud's headspace, because I think that the movie also does a really nice job of being very honest with what we're seeing, because Maud doesn't remember everything and we don't get to see everything. We only get to see what Maud remembers. So when she goes to buy yet more cans of peaches and the store clerk tells her, you just bought three cans yesterday. We did not see her buy three cans yesterday. But we have no reason but to believe this person because Ma also has cabinets full of canned peaches that she keeps buying. Um, so I think this is really, really great. Um, I'd encourage you to check this out, you in particular, Kate, um, but also listeners in general, if you have access to Elizabeth is Missing, which I should note is based on the 2014 novel of the same name by Emma Haley Healy. Healy. Um, this is just really great, I think. Um, and it's worth watching just for, I think, um, Glenda Jackson's performance, whom I have to admit, I don't think I've seen in anything. <laughs> well, she's mostly uh, a theater actor, to my knowledge. Right. Yeah, she's she's mostly done theater. She's She did some film and she did some television. And then she um, took a 23-year break to uh, work in the Labor Party and served as an MP um for like in from the 90s into the early into like the mid aughts or so um into the tens rather um so but this is really really great um and again powerhouse performance really great direction and really really good supporting cast as well which is really important in something like this um even if they're kind of stock characters they're well-executed well-acted stock characters um which again really important for this kind of a narrative so it very much fits really snugly into Masterpiece's whole prestige thing. It fits really snugly into like the mystery thing without being a Masterpiece mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very, I can't, I can't recommend this more, more 
than I am right now. Um, and there's also a trailer for Mrs. Whatever and the Duke, which is not what I was thinking it was. Oh, Miss Scarlet so, and the Duke? Miss Scarlet and the Duke is not what I was thinking it was, but okay. I'm still interested in watching it um, because it does look kind of fun. Cool. Well, we'll yeah. see. I have a recording set for that one. So yeah, it's good to know. I'll bring this one up the next time we're like looking for a thing to watch. I will say that it is not the lightest of watches. Oh, okay. Keep that in I mind. very much made a mistake watching it this week. <laughs> um, Touche. Yeah. Good but call. But if you're in the right headspace for this kind of a narrative, um, perfect, perfect, perfect. Really great. Okay. Well... That might be a good transition to our next show, which is The Watch on BBC America. This is going to be an eight-episode uh, season that is looking that is uh, set. It's like a inspired by Discworld, not an adaptation of anything. Um, the premiere is a near Vimes experience. The main character is Captain Vimes. Uh, the second episode is Ook. Um, so this is it's fine. Uh, I like the cast somewhat. The most interesting member of the cast is Richard Dormer as Vimes, which, I mean, people know from the Hobbit stuff, but also from, he was on Game of Thrones, right? He was the, um, the, the guy in charge of the, the Men Without Banners, um, and, uh, who, with, with the flaming sword, right? That's him. Uh, so he is super entertaining and doing a very heightened kind of thing. Uh, but this, it's like, they're going for like, a punk kind of rock and roll grimy dirty co- like being like cops but in a city where like there is no crime because the crimes are all legal as long as they're performed by the members of that guild uh like so the assassin like assassins can just kill people as long as they leave a receipt and stay within their quotas um so because the crime was the the premise is that the crime was out of control and so the guild all got together with the watch at some point 20 years ago and uh established that as long as the number of assassinations is under this amount the assassins guild will not be prosecuted for assassinating people as long as the number of theft is under this amount like that kind of a thing so nothing counts as a crime so so it's a terribly violent messed up city but it's actually somehow less violent in theory than it was before okay. okay which is and and every everybody's like the captain's like drunk all the time everybody's dirty and grimy except for the new guy who's you know the upright you know dudley do right who's moved in from the from the the mountain or whatever who's come to town to start his new career in the watch and then they get wrapped into like a whole thing there's there's some stuff going on. The uh, Wayne the Sword, <laughs> voiced by Matt Berry, has not shown up yet uh, oh, after the first ooh. two episodes. Yeah, the, the the concept of a sword has been introduced, um, so I can see where we're going to get to there. And with what they've established, I'm like, okay, that's that could be pretty fun. Um, but I don't know that it's worth it to watch mm-hmm. to get to there. Yeah. Um, for some people, this may scratch an itch. If you're not going to go like, but can't they just all take a bath? Then maybe that's fine. If it's going to, if like, you're like, but everybody's, they look like they smell terrible and that's going to bother you. Don't watch this. Um, the, the, I wanted more from a lot of it. Uh, Wendell Pierce is the voice of death, which is pretty fun, but like, it's a whole framing narrative you don't need. It's just a yep. waste. Um, so like maybe it could improve. 
I like the again, and the Chancellor is Lord Venari, um, who's actually a character that's been gender swapped from the books. Um uh, but is also Sir, so maybe maybe the character is he. I don't know. Um there's some other, you know, interesting world building stuff, but it's not interesting enough for me for how like just kind of it it feels like one of those shows that's trying to be cool and rock and roll and and interesting and just isn't enough sure. of what what that you know there's not enough there there for me but uh-huh. dormer is very likable um like as like the grizzly and like very very drunk and passes prime captain of the watch he's trying to like regain something and you know an old foe from the past shows up and guilt and all this stuff. Uh, so if that all sounds of interest to you, like check out a trailer, the trailers are going to give you a pretty good idea of the show. Um, it could be just suffering from like pilotitis where it's got to kind of get going. Once it actually gets going, it'll be more fun. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. There's a dragon now. So you have, firmly talked me out of watching this yeah so this is not this is not an old show i don't think yeah but yeah everything you've said has just made me think about guardians of the galaxy and i'm just like no well but it's like nowhere near as fun as guardians so like yeah but here's the thing i don't think guardians of the galaxy is fun yeah so well that's the yeah. thing like if it's a dirtier like sweatier yeah. guardians but without the whimsy yeah you know Mm-hmm. so yeah. There's some there's some interesting concepts and there's some fun ideas, but and those strike me as the things that might be lifted from Discworld. Um okay. or it could they could be original ideas too, but like it just does not all get executed in a way that would be as like enough to keep me watching. So I pro I mean I have set a series thing, so maybe I'll end up watching it, like half watching it while I'm doing stuff. Um mm-hmm. but you know, we'll see. But uh yeah, I, I don't know I'm not uh moved to go make sure i delete my series recording <laughs> which i have already set up um but i also will not be hurrying to watch more of it gotcha that makes yeah. sense um what about promise neverland which i did not realize was available is yes but it, this the is premieres my available yeah yeah um so listeners um sony actually uh dropped in and picked up this license um so promise neverland season two as well as season one with the dub and subs um you can watch on funimation um but you can also watch it on hulu hulu is also getting same day dubs sorry same day subs as well i think um but they're definitely ending up at funimation so but if you have hulu you should be able to watch these at on the same day that they drop um and i think the confusion occurred that it was like the eighth for seventh or the eighth for japan which meant the sixth or the seventh for us time zones um so it should be i think it drops on like tuesdays or wednesdays um so yeah anyway first uh premiere episode i'm not going to give like too much away um it's fine um there's not a lot of space for them to do stuff because they need to reestablish this new world that they're in basically of this forest um there's a lot of stuff about minerva william minerva who was the person who wrote the books and had the little stamp in the books um who kind of faded away from the season one narrative a little bit very at the forefront for this first um episode go ahead oh i said ooh, that's intriguing yeah um so much so that there was a couple of things in it that i just kind of went 
wait, we didn't learn about any of this in season one. Did I miss something? No, I did not. Okay, this is just all new information that they're presenting is not new information, but new information to the audience. It's a little inelegant. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do get to see more of the demons that are hunting the children, uh, which is great. Uh, they're all appropriately creepy, and I don't care for them. Um, <laughs> but then there are also two new characters on the scene who promise to also shake up our understanding of this world just a little bit. Um I'm intrigued by their presence, um, but it also very much feels like a very standard shonen manga approach of, oops, I don't know what to do next. New characters, which is a really common thing in shonen manga of instead of doing a new plot development, we just introduce new characters as our plot development. Um, And that's kind of what this feels like, but it also can very easily transition to a shift of world building. So while it's not nearly as exciting or as enticing as the season one premiere or as fun and heisty as the season one finale it is very much sort of a transition-y episode of this is our new world now here's a couple of new players let's see what happens okay well i'm i'm excited for yeah for what the season could be and yes me seems too. like it will I'm, be so yeah i'm still excited I'm about the show it's it was it's just a little bit of a flat premiere. Yeah, it's um, it's it's gotta get going. Yeah, it's gotta get going again, basically. Yeah. It's gonna be a very different experience for me watching it like week to week, I think. Yes. Than, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and subtitled. Could have to be patient. What? What about uh cells at work? Should I jump in with this? Because I haven't seen the first season. Okay, so this is technically a new show. This is Cells at Work Code Black. Um Cells at Work also came back for its second season. Uh, which airs on the same day as Cells at Work Code Black. So you've got Cells at Work, Cells at Work Code Black. Um, Both of these are also on Funimation. I'm not sure if they're on Hulu, um, but they are definitely on Funimation. So Cells at Work, OG mothership Cells at Work, is a bright, kind of funny, weirdly deranged sometimes um, show about red blood cells and various other internal bodily um, entities that keep your body running. And it's very science-focused, but it's also very silly with a little bit of over-the-top action. Um, but it's very cute. It's very sweet. It's very bright. Um, and it's delightful. Um, I really liked the first season of Cells at Work. Um, my partner, one of the things that came out of Cells at Work is they um, all the various blood cells, killer T cells, white cells, always say, thank you for your hard work to everyone. Um, and my partner and I say that to each other all the time now. Cells at Work Code Black is the grim, dark, edgy version of Cells at Work. Um, this, in this body that all the cells are in and all the various sort of internal entities again, is on its last leg, sort of. Um, it is a, apparently a hard-drinking, hard-smoking, sleep-deprived, person that is not in shape (laughs) so they there are not enough red blood cells to carry oxygen to various parts of the body so there are more germs um even the white cells are stretched thin um the bad cholesterol guys are all around clogging up the arteries um just dumping dumping um stuff to like prevent the white the red blood cells from carrying oxygen in places and everything um 
there's a lot of like really delightful work satire in this, even in the first episode, because it's a brand new white blo- red blood cell. So he's watched this great orientation video that's in a four by three aspect ratio <laughs> and kind of grainy film stock. And he gets out into the world and it is a hellscape. Um, it is not the sunny, sunny thing that was shown in the orientation video because it's like 20 years out of date. Um, so this is a very dark, edgy sort of, yeah, you're new to the workforce and the workforce is terrible and it's all bad and everyone lied to you to get you to take this job. Um, and it's like, oh, this is, this is dark. Um, and it is, it's very grim. It's very dark. Um, it's still really funny and it's over the topness, but there's also this air of melancholy because this body is shutting down. Um, he just took up smoking again after 10 years and all the cells in the lungs were just like, we just almost kind of got this clean and he start, they started smoking again. <laughs> um, so I'm going to keep watching this. This is delightful. They go to the liver, um, next in the next episode, which apparently is depicted as some sort of terrific jazz club. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited about that. <laughs> That, that's see okay but i feel like from what you're saying i kind of feel like i should watch the like the first season of the original first yes, so that i can have an appreciate yeah yes for a counterpoint um so and the first season of cells at work is on hulu um for sure so you can definitely watch it there and i do encourage you to watch it i find cells at work to be really delightful they have a terrific theme song um, and the second season also has a terrific theme song for Cells at Work. Um, but there was no theme song for Cells at Work Code Black because that's how edgy and grim it is. Um, I'm sure they have a theme song. They just didn't put it in the premiere. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Like that, this may be what finally gets me off my butt to watch Cells at Work so that I can watch Cells at Work Code Black. <laughs> Their closing song is what their opening would be if they were original Cells at Work, which I find really delightful. Okay. Um, Yeah, their closing song is this very bright and peppy number and and like very bright and fun and everything. And it just turns out to be a dream that the red blood cell is having. It's just so, so lovely. Um, So I'm, I'm enjoying Code Black um, after one episode so far. Um, And I've watched half of season two of cells at work which deals with a bump <laughs> each listeners each episode deals with some sort of ailment of some kind okay that's uh yeah that's fun that's fun um well our last show this week in tv is the doctor who new year special uh revolution of the daleks and we should also touch on the rumors mm-hmm. that jody whitaker will be leaving the show after the next season mm-hmm. uh, because i feel like this episode i thought it was solid i thought it was fine um i I think i think it highlights though the problems with the recent era and they're not jody whitaker's fault um because how do you do the last episode for graham like ryan they give him some stuff they give graham nothing and this is his last episode uh and Until they do their own Torchwood spinoff, which I think is the implication. <laughs> which I would watch, except Tustin Cole has got a show on FX, so that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, like, like, and, and of course the actors are really good, so, like, yeah. they sell the shit out of it. And, like, the moment that Graham finds out Ryan is leaving and decides to, to, to leave with him is beautiful and so very well played. 
um, by all involved. But I just, I just don't understand, just don't understand how you know this is a farewell episode for two characters and you give one of them, like, maybe two scenes, maybe. It's very frustrating. I, like, I thought Yaz got a bunch of really interesting stuff. I liked what they did with Jack and Yaz, and the use of Jack throughout this I thought was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted more, actually, from the Jack and the Doctor stuff. That was There wasn't enough there there. But the rest of it was was pretty fun. I liked all the shout-outs, like the Mighty Pating and some other things, but it's just like, it just speaks to the weakness of the writing that we've had. And like it, it's just, it's base-level stuff writing stuff like just at a structural level you know you're writing out two characters you need to do right by those two characters um and you need to i mean really it's all three of those companions you have to do right by so that their decisions to leave or to stay make sense um so yeah i also d- really didn't appreciate the doctor being a martyr with you know and, and never being like well i'm really sorry that i'm 10 months late uh also it's been 21 years for me. Uh, I was in I was in isolation most for most of 21 years. Or like having Jack say something to them, you know. But but, but Jack wouldn't, mm-hmm. you know. So that's the trouble. Yeah. But yeah, like I don't know. I had some problems with this one. I found it really fucking boring. Uh, <laughs> I was just bored out of my brain, um, which is the worst possible thing. I think for anything to do um, is just be really, really boring. Um, in part because Daleks are boring. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, also, I'm, I think I'm more pro Dalek than you are. So yes. I think that that probably was a deciding factor in our takes on this. It may have been a deciding factor, but I was also, I was bored, but then I was also just frustrated by the fact of, Oh, we're going to talk about policing and security. Psych. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Just kidding, everyone. We're not going to be topical or anything. This is not the show that did the Rosa Park episode a little while ago. Just ignore that. Um, yeah, no, this was just, it was really boring. Um, and I was really frustrated by the bait and switch about talking about security and policing and then just going, Daleks. Um, and I just went, that's not what this is, but I also had a feeling we were going to do this anyway when your mad scientist turned out to be a black guy who was totally cool with this um, in a little bit of what I'm assuming was blind casting of we found the best actor and we really liked him and we didn't think about the implications of it. Um, so to the Whovian, to the Who stuff, um, to the actual, like, everything you said is really spot on, so I don't want to belabor it. Um, I agree with you that Everything involving Graham and Ryan was significantly shortchanged and should not have been, considering this was their sign-off. Um, especially Graham, who has been far and away sort of like the my favorite companion of these three, He's even though I do really, really like Yaz. Yeah. But Graham as a character and as a performer both provided so much difference in my perception of who and companions and this kind of a thing that... I always wanted his input, his presence, his perspective. Um, And losing that is really kind of frustrating for me. And not having him be more front and center with Ryan in this narrative was a major fumble from this show. Um, And kind of just demonstrates that they maybe just don't care about these companions, which I don't think is true, but it certainly felt true in this. Um, 
I do agree with you that everything with Jack and Yaz was really solid. Um, um, even if it, they could have also pushed more on it, um, given that Yaz is very clearly in love with the doctor. Like uh, very clearly, right? They, I don't know that they will actually engage with that, but they need to. Yeah. Yeah. They, they need to because they need to. Um, so I think that there's a lot of stuff, especially when you bring up Rose, like, if you're going to bring up Rose and kind of put that warning light up. Yeah. Um, you need to like address it. I, uh, so we'll see. Um, but just, it left me just kind of generally kind of cold, even if I enjoyed um, Barrowman naturally, even if I enjoyed Noth naturally. Oh, so um, fun. Like, and it's just, I felt like he amped up the chumpiness. This time, and I but was only here in for certain it. areas. Like, I really yeah. only felt like he did it when he was like really angry, which I think was the right yeah. choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't like through, like it wasn't pervasive, but just like there are certain traits of it. Yes, that that he went to more. That that might have been in the writing as well, but it certainly was in the performance. I felt. Yes. Yeah. No, he got very trumpy whenever he was like getting backed into a corner, or whenever he whenever he got backed into a corner, or whenever he thought he had the best idea. Mm-hmm. Which are the two things that are correct when you're doing a Trump impression, mm-hmm. um, while not actually doing one. Yeah, um, I think is really kind of the key thing here. And we're going to talk about Trump impressions as well. Um, spoiler alert: next week. Mm-hmm. Um, weirdly, I can't wait to discuss that. Um, so yeah, so this was just kind of really flat. I was very frustrated by it. Um, and I think that the other thing, and this gets to both Jody Whitaker. And also your thing about the doctor of, I still don't know who this doctor is. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she doesn't talk about it being 20 something years in a really scary supermax prison with all her greatest foes there hanging about. um, And then not doing anything with that. And also sort of the doctor acknowledging that there is a lack of, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to be. And I'm just like, we're about to hit year three, which historically now is when you cut and run, doctors. Yeah. You do three seasons and you're out. Um, so that is not a good thing. Um, and it's like you said, it is not Jodie Whittaker's fault because she's great at what little material she's given it. And in press stuff, she's amazing. That's the doctor that is not being tr- used on this show. Um, so I'm, if she's going to leave, I wouldn't blame her. Yeah. Um, is kind of how I'm feeling about it. I would not blame her if she decided to leave. Well, that's the thing. It's like the, the current scuttlebutt is that she's going to leave, but Chidmill's going to stay. It's Uh just like, overwhelmingly the response I keep seeing is, can we swap that? Please. It's like, let's keep Whitaker and let's bring in somebody else. Um. Because, like, there are certain stuff that Chibnall does and that Chibnall prioritizes that I really appreciate and I think is a welcome and overdue change. But the weaknesses are getting harder and harder to overlook yeah. when we're, like, assessing, like, the, his seasons as a whole. Uh-huh. Um, like, I have so many problems with the Moffat era, but, and I don't, I actively am not interested in Missy... Um, but Bill Potts, I freaking love Bill Potts. Bill Potts is awesome. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the companion. She's a companion in a season that had a bunch of stuff I didn't care about. And a bunch of these were actively really incredibly frustrating for me because of the problems that I have with, um, with Moffat. Uh, but she was on half as long as, as Ryan and Graham and got so much more development. So it's just like, it's frustrating. We'll see what happens with it. Um, I, I, I would love it to be the other way. Other way around. I'll just say that. Um, any final thoughts on Doctor Who? And if not, what wins your week in TV? Elizabeth is missing wins my week in TV. Hands down. No contest. Go watch it. Uh, what about you? What wins your week? I'm going to give it to the pork chop. Okay. Um, because it's just super fun. So, like, I have my issues with it. And there's other stuff I enjoyed this week. But, like, when the, when it was singing, that was absolutely delightful. So I will give it to that. Um, Now we'll take a break, listen to a trailer, and come back with uh, our season spotlight on season two of Hilda from Netflix. We'll be right back after this. What a lovely day. The hills, the forests. Sorry! The freedom. I'm Hilda. There's this whole secret world all around us. never told me about that. Mum, I don't tell you every little thing that happens to me. Apparently you don't. That was unexpected. What is a dragon anyway? What if we run into trolls? the trailer for season two of netflix's hilda uh which of course the animated series based on the graphic novels books yeah graphic novels graphic novels um so i have many thoughts on hilda season two obviously uh well let's do like a spoiler free chunk and then and then we got you know the ending we have to talk about there because listeners ends on a cliffhanger this season i assume it's coming back it better be there is a 70 minute movie in production which i think will probably be the wrap-up given okay everything (laughs) okay okay that's interesting um the there are two main things that we need to talk about one is that the season is again delightful and i really liked all the stuff i liked from season one i liked it this season and second of all one of these episodes is emotional terrorism 
Like I, that it, it, it's like Jurassic Park levels of emotional terrorism. It's worse than Jurassic Park for the emotional terrorism. Um, was it, was it the witch? It was the witch. Oh like, yeah, that no, obviously the Yule lads. The Yule lads. <laughs> There's an episode called the Deer Fox or the Deer Foxes. Uh, no, yeah, it's the Deer Fox. The yeah. Deer Fox, yeah. And uh, I figured it, that's what you were talking about. Because, obviously, yes, it, it's what I'm talking about. Be like, I was like not prepared. It was very well done. It's an excellent episode, um, and I think the way that they handle it, like, everything that goes down in that episode um, is, like, I was watching this going, like, oh, I gotta handle this episode, but it's, very, it's like, on a, it's also very well made, and I appreciate they're doing a good job with it, but also, why? Um, but I particularly appreciated um, the way that they arced, as you, after you watch that episode, you realize that they've been arcing the season a certain way. And then after the season, uh, after that episode, there's an element of the, of the season and of the way they've been writing characters that distinctly changes and is a deliberate change for the rest of the season. And I really appreciated that. I'll get into specifics a little more when we get to our spoiler section. But first of all, it sounds like it was not just me terrorized by that episode. Um, and what did you what did you think of, you know, Hilda season two? Yeah, no, the Deer Fox is a aggressively difficult episode. Um, as is the Jorts incident is also an aggressively difficult episode. Um, those those mice, man. In, in a, I mean, in a very different way for me, but yeah, yeah, yeah those tied mice, man. Um, but no, I actually really like the Jorts episode. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think that there is, like I said, when I talked about it a little bit, um, in our end of the year stuff or like building up to right before end of the year stuff, um, they definitely have like a thing that they want to do this season, a couple of different things. Um, some of it I think is more successful than others. Um, mainly I think all the Hilda stuff is really successful. Whereas I think some of the more politically minded stuff is less successful, um, in part because of how broad it is. Um, um, very much huge, huge justice for um, Gerda. Huge, all the justice for Gerda. Um, but all that being said, I still think that the show is really delightful and really lovely. And I think that it starts, the fact that they start getting at the, you have to start growing up stuff um, is really great and starts to really kind of come to a really beautiful head in this season, even down to, I really do want to shout out um, the end credits song, the life of Hilda, which you hear in episode seven, which is a, a great song and B, Oh my God, just is Hilda of everything that is wrong about Hilda, the character that Hilda, the character refuses to acknowledge. Um, so I really like that. And the fact that that gets woven into the rest of the show, um, and is a major plot point for much of the rest of the show, I think works really, really well. Um, and then the other thing that I am very kind of excited about is that, um, that I really enjoyed this season was that, um, um, Keza, the librarian is much more prominent this season because she is delightful. Um, and the fact that we get a peek into that world is also really fun. Like, <laughs> I love that little corner of this world. Um, and I really liked everything that we got with it. Um, so those are kind of my, like, big overview thoughts. Um, also, shout out to Andy Circus doing a guest 
guest star spot as one of the Yule lads um, because those 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 folks are scary. I didn't I, care for the Yule lads. Like big big uh, the highwayman energy with mm, that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, from that is exactly correct. That is perfect comparison. Yes, I hadn't thought about that, but that is that is correct. And it's the art of the way the the masks are around their eyes. Um, her circus is particularly terrific in that. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of excellent voice work, but he's particularly strong. Um, in, in that, uh, yeah, the the stuff we get with the librarian is terrific. It's really fun. Um, she shows up just a couple times, but it feels like. It feels like she's in a lot more, and then, yes. but really, it's 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 just a few episodes. Just you, they stand out; they're memorable, and because they're super fun. And yes. actually, I thought this is a really pretty well paced season. Woodman shows up several times, which I was I was delighted by. I thought he might be in it once, but then he, you know, he pops up again and again. Um, <laughs> the boat is so good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good. Um, but the like. Some of the, so it, it's not always elegant what they're going with, with the bells and with some of this other stuff. Um, but I think it is, these are worthwhile conversations. And yes. like, if I'm sitting there thinking, okay, so the bells are like guns, right? The bells are guns or are they not guns? Yeah. Like, it's a little fuzzy. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate, like, I, and I, I don't feel like I can really give too much of a, answer or thought like a, a coherent finalized thought about it um until i've seen the the movie because everything it doesn't feel like the stuff with the bells is done until right. the stuff with the trolls is done um I think and like it i mean obviously the trolls have been a big part of this world of hilda since the very beginning so it makes sense that like our new character eric alberg um who is uh just the worst yeah He's terrible. Um, and his obsession with the bells. Uh, I like that it's a thread, but it's not like something that they tie up neatly by the end of the season. It's not something that has like a simple answer um, or, you know, and it, it, I like that it hints at continuing threads of um, human and non-human difficulties. I also love that it's just like something as simple as a bell. You know, I like that they, that, there's nothing wrong, like, the, they may have made bells this, like, ominous thing, um, while also making them beautiful, like, visually, and, uh, like, showing, you know, like, there's plenty of reasons that it's great, to, it's useful to have a bell around, but, like, they've done a really good job of imbuing them with dread yeah. over the course of the season, and, yeah, it's, it's fun to watch. Um, obviously, we really liked The Witch. Um what did you think of like the windmill? What did you think of just the overall increase of the presence of magic? Did you like our return of our of the dragon, the uh, the the worm, mm-hmm. right, and his beautiful bonsai? The... Um. So yeah, I was um I was a little surprised to see Victoria von Gael back. Mm-hmm. Um, I was dismayed that she was up to her old shenanigans and had actually gone full mad scientist with her really terribly creepy um not a oh what are they not called? not a nissa not a nissa nissa um yeah which was not okay that a nasa yeah a nonsa a nazza a nazza <laughs> nonsa um, yeah this is good all of it was bad um and i did not care for that um i do like the more forward position of magic here which has always been here in the show 
but the fact that there are now like I, uh, rules and hierarchies and things to kind of keep in mind about it, I think are really important. And I think one of the other things that kind of comes through with that is I love the idea of Hilda as a familiar, <laughs> mm-hmm. which also really kind of helps to really solidify them as like a Dungeons and Dragons group. Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Including everything that happens with poor, poor, poor David and <laughs> his sojourn into Vikingdom. <laughs> yep. Um, and it's just like, buddy, you were, you were the cleric or as close <laughs> to as a cleric as you can get. Um, you're just a squishy cleric, which is not how clerics really work, but you're, you're squishy. Um, <laughs> but I just, I, it's just very sweet, but I do like that magic is more forward here. Um, and that there are rules and ways to learn it and that Hilda is bad at it because Hilda thinks every problem is a nail and she has the ultimate hammer, mm-hmm. which is herself. <laughs> yeah. When we get to the end of the episode and the camera like pans for like one of these, these people is clearly has capability as the witch and the camera pans to Hilda. I'm like, what are you talking about? Obviously not you. Definitely like David before you. <laughs> yes. David at least attracts bugs on his own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I th- thought also the threads with Hilda and her mom uh, are well handled. I was expecting it to be a much larger through line than it actually is. But I think they they balanced it well by, you know, having this still be the person who raised Hilda to be her, you know, who she is. Yeah. Um, while still, like, acknowledging the growing recklessness of the character and the growing need for boundaries. I thought the time yes. loop episode was a good way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, and again, it was blatant enough. Like it, it was like obvious enough in a way that like, this is, that's how obvious it would have to be for Hilda to catch it, to catch on, yes. you know, like if the episode and like the things that she was experiencing and saying to herself as she time travels were more subtle Hilda wouldn't have gotten the hint. <laughs> so I, I thought that all worked really nicely. I uh, very much enjoyed Tildy. Um, I liked, uh, yeah, a lot this season. Do you have any other thoughts before we dive in with spoilers? Um, I mean, we do kind of need to talk about the the bellkeeper. Oh, yeah. And his very obviously, this is not Hilda's father. Stop thinking that what the show's doing. <laughs> Um, even though he has like little streaks of green teal in his hair on the sides, instead of graying at the temples, he's like greening at the temples a little bit. And I'm like, this is Hilda's dad, but we're pretending it's not Hilda's dad, right? This, this is what we're doing, show. I didn't okay. make that connection. I wouldn't have thought. Oh, of that. you didn't? No. I immediately went. That is t- that is Hilda's dad, even though it is very clearly not going to be his yeah. her dad. Yeah. Um, but like but future I'm- love interest, right? Yeah, exactly. No, I was actually waiting for that to happen. I was waiting for the bellkeeper and Joanna to meet up. Mm-hmm. And that didn't happen either, um, which I'm okay with. Movie? Um, movie, maybe, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that generally this was a strong season. I think I still prefer season one a little bit more, um, just because it's a little gentler almost um yeah, I but i do appreciate that the show wants to mature at the same time 
Um, and it, for me, it mostly matures in the right directions. Um, the political stuff aside, which again, I agree with you that the bells are too fuzzy of a symbol and that's what happens when you have fuzzy symbols. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you want to radicalize your kids, everyone, uh, We Bear Bear Their Movies (laughs) is still available somewhere for you to watch and that will radicalize your children Mm -hmm. immediately. Why are they hurting the bears? Well, honey. (laughs) Well, honey. Well, you know, we'll get there, but that's clearly something like that is what's coming in our movie. Um, So let's now say, watch Hilda. And if if you haven't seen it yet, and if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening. Um, So Because we got to talk about the finale, because that finale is bonkers. Yeah, it is. Uh, And stressful on a number of levels. (laughs) Deeply stressful. Um, The... I... Where it feels to me like we're headed mm-hmm. is, um, and this is speculating, not actually analyzing and critiquing, but we're going to do that because it's fun and I want to, um, okay. is that um, the troll mom or, or dad, the, I don't know, the troll adult parent. Uh, parent has swapped their bodies so that their child doesn't have to experience turning to stone. And yeah. they're, and they have observed that Joanna is a good mom and a parent. They've decided that they can trust their kid with Joanna and they are willing to sacrifice their connection their with their child um, so that they're saved from that, uh, which is dark yeah. and difficult but feels absolutely in keeping with the stuff that the season is doing and the depth that it wants to go into with some of these characters. So uh, like, like that follows right on from the deer Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But like, woof, man, that, that episode hits. Yeah. I really like that reading of it. And I agree with you because I don't think it's a malevolent, malevolent gesture from yeah. the troll parent. Um, and doesn't seem like manipulative, no. right? Like all of it was thought out. It feels like more like they saved they saved them first and got saw them and then decided yeah. at some point that night that they were going to do that. Mm-hmm, the swap, um, yeah, and the, yeah, no, I agree with you. Like I don't think it's a malicious act, um, and I do think it is an act motivated out of love for their child. Um, mm-hmm. which the episode goes to really extreme lengths to make sure that we're in that same boat of kind of reconceptualizing the trolls and specifically this troll and their yeah. their child. But most of the trolls, aside from that two or three headed asshole of a dick yeah. troll who just <laughs> hoards everything, that guy, that guy sucks. But all the other trolls seem to dislike him as well. Um, mm-hmm. so... Like, wait, we got a reason to fight with that one? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, Let's exactly. Um, because that's the other thing that particularly the Stone Forest and really kind of gets across is how the trolls aren't bad. Yeah, um, air quotes, That yeah. it's just, they're frustrated more than anything. Um, but this troll parent in particular is going out of their way to do the best thing that they can for their child. And like you said, recognizes Joanna as a very safe person to do that with. 
should you ask permission before trading bodies? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. Consent is important. Yeah, they wouldn't have gotten consent, though. Let's be, they, they know they wouldn't. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I think Hilda would have volunteered for that for at least like... Yeah, but Joanna would not have been okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joanna would not have. And I think that's sort of like the other thing to get at is that this increases an empathy that Hilda already had and was developing for the trolls. Um, yeah. But we'll hopefully do something for everyone else as well regarding the trolls. Um, well, and even if Hilda, this the plan is to for, to swap bodies for a certain amount of time uh-huh. so she can experience what it is to be a troll and then to swap the, the heads back. Uh-huh. Then Hilda can be yeah. a because like it's a way of communicating, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see what happens from this. And this is the Stone Forest finale is actually adapted from one of the actual Hilda stories. Um, I think mostly they do a lot of originals uh, this season because um, I think that they did a couple of like adaptations last season and then a bunch of original stuff, um, and that really held through for this season. The the just the direction of it is really interesting. Um, the pacing of the season I think works well. It it works great standalone. It you can binge it if you want to, but I also I kind of liked spacing it out. I did like I did like three in a sitting, um, three or four in a sitting, and that worked really well for me. Um, and it's just it's such a charming show. It's such a fun show, and there's enough creativity that it's. Uh, it's really entertaining to watch without like feeling like it's saccharine or you're getting whimsy overload, you know? Um, so it's, it's just a really fun show. I also really liked the return of the elves as several times. The replacement is delightful. Like pretty much every episode here, there's something that I really enjoyed about it. Like as I look, as I scan through the season, it's hard for me to think of an episode that I'm less invested in or less interested in. Yeah. Oh, I remember the other thing I was going to say is that I would not be surprised if it's revealed that Alberg's ancestor, like, cursed the trolls or something, and that yeah. the, the turning to stone is completely arbitrary and doesn't need to happen. Um, that that would track, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I really do enjoy the elves, even though I think Alpha is a little backburnered this season. Um, mm-hmm. But it, the replacement just makes up for it so much. Um, that episode is just really delightful. And to find, like, oh, that dear sweet elf that is just in love with him. Mm-hmm. Oh, fangirling hard. So hard. It's so much fangirling. Um, uh, so I really liked that. Um, we've talked about the librarian. Uh, those three witches that are in charge of the witch realm are just the absolute worst. And I never <laughs> want them to change. <laughs> Yeah, delightful. Because if they change, then there'd be no fun. Like, you need someone for Tildy to just yell at. um, (laughs) Because otherwise, what is Tildy going to do? Just keep crocheting. But I really, speaking of Tildy, like, the thing I really do like is that we get Tildy in episode three. We get her in Mm -hmm. season one as well. um, Just like a quick cameo. But we get her in episode three really hard. And then we get the 50-year night of just like, here's this big gut punch for this character you've just met. It's just like, oh, show. This is great, and I love it. Well, and the fact that they end not on a note of, let's go out for coffee sometime, mm-hmm. but end of, that was the past. Yeah. And it's, you shouldn't live in the past. We both lived full lives since then. Yeah. 
And, you know, like, that was such such a refreshing way to end that. Because I feel like usually these types of stories end with, like, a chance meeting at the end. And neither one remembers it. But now there's something there. Maybe they'll start something for, you know, like, and this is just better. Yeah. No, it's (laughs) significantly better. better. It's significantly more in keeping with the show. And that, again, that maturity that's, again, coming through Mm -hmm. in this season. Um, but I also appreciate that even with that maturity comes episodes like the Jort incident, which is just <laughs> really ridiculous, really, really silly. And yep. while still kind of in keeping with the fact that Hilda just re- can't learn from her mistakes, um, and this is what happens. But that episode is just so funny and weird, and I love it so much. And the fact that the tide mice turn jorts into this massive massive conglomerate and then it just like goes back to being a local snack food company <laughs> as soon as they're gone it's uh it gave me big uh what's that episode title for we bear bears energy like where the three bears like the one ends up in business and the other one's a model and, oh like, yeah, yeah yeah it gave me very much that energy uh it was super fun um so yeah and then and i love that the jorts the snacks are mm. a uh like a recurring thread throughout delightful i also appreciated as speaking of a thread that we where we start and where we end with gerda are very different mm-hmm. um and that by the end you're like oh good maybe we're just gonna leave him a fly and she could be in charge it's the show is darker i don't think it's quite at that level but like but she's come you know she's i think cool the realization that he's awful and terrible um, but I also really yes. appreciated it, speaking of the fly thing is how much of Eric was still really deeply conveyed in the fly animation. <laughs> oh yeah. Like totally. Th- Excellent. It was just really beautifully handled of, oh yeah, no, this guy doesn't realize he's a fly right now. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It's very good. Um, any final thoughts? Um, I mean, yeah, no, the all the stuff with the trolls and Eric is really muddied, um, in part because they just can't settle on like a really solid perspective, but also the show's characters basically just come down on a it's bad. <laughs> but they yeah. can't really like vocalize or dramatize why it's bad. Mm-hmm. but everything that we go with Joanna and Hilda is so forthright and so emotionally honest that I don't care um, the way that their relationship morphs and changes and gets stretched um, across this season I think is really really great and the fact that the show continues to allow Hilda to be Hilda um, and while still acknowledging the fact that yeah, no, she's kind of not the best sometimes, which you get hints of in season one, but really comes to the forefront in season two. Um, I think is really, really smart. So I'm really curious to see how, what, again, I'm presuming will be a concluding movie because if you're doing a movie, I feel like we're not going to get a third season. Um, But maybe, knock on wood. What about you? Any final thoughts here? Well, I'll just be a little clearer with my dear Fox thoughts, which are, uh, again, emotional terrorism. Um, and then when at the end, when she's like, I promise it'll be different. And mm-hmm. then it actually is. 
Yeah. And then they make a very concerted effort to like, every time she leaves, it's let's go Twig. And it, yes. Twig is with them on all their adventures. Twig's getting a lot more attention at, at the house. Cause like, it just really, when they started doing that really deliberately, it made it clear how much that was a choice the, the earlier part of the season to exclude Twig and to keep showing Twig. Like, because, like, I just don't get a pet that needs to be outside if you aren't willing to be outside. Yeah. And I have seen too many people who have, like, who have dogs that need to run. And that need like a five mile walk every single day. Who that they don't know why they got them, but the people who have them work, you know, fifteen hour days, or like no, but they don't have someone, or they're they're gone for months at a time, and so the dog is just kenneled most of the day. Like, wh- don't do that. Why would you do that? Um, and so it, so it's just that awareness and that the fact that. This is something that, you know, what is Joanna supposed to do? She's single parent trying to, you know, keep them fed. Like, she doesn't have the time. So the fact Hilda is definitely thoughtless enough to not notice how, how significant this was. And Joanna should be on top of it, but hasn't been. And so to, to have that be a real deliberate change for the last four episodes of the season was something that I very much appreciated. Um, and that makes the, uh, the, the, some of the pain of the deer Fox more worth it. <laughs> Cause it's like Hilda needed to learn this lesson. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just like, Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's well animated. It's, it's like lovely, but Oh, Oh, packs a punch. Anyways, that's my final thought. I really liked Hilda season two. Good. I'm glad. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else. I'm just, I'm, I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah, I think I liked this season more than you did, which is... I think so, too, which yeah. now means you get to yell at me about it. <laughs> See, we swapped. I'm giving you an early or late Christmas gift. There we go. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can find our M4A chaptered feed and our MP3 unchaptered feed up in Apple Podcasts podcast and over on stitcher we'd appreciate ratings and reviews um both places and if you do leave us a rating or review let us know so that we can go check it out and say thank you you can also of course find my write-ups about rupaul's drag race over at the av club and we are both on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk thank you so much for a great discussion this week kate thank you noel and thank you everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse <laughs>